Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat real quick as we gather together. Um, I've been uh, thinking about this, working on this for the last uh, two or three months. And I want to share with you, man, we gather together because we believe. We gather together, we believe that God wants to do something in our midst. We believe that God wants to do something here tonight. We believe that the presence of the Holy Spirit is here to do a thing um, with us. And I believe that that is the truth. I believe that God wants to speak to you. I believe that God wants to say something to you. I believe that God wants to do some business because God is God and God loves us. I believe that there ain't no grave that can hold us down. I don't, I don't believe in anything that can stop God from absolutely loving us and caring for us and taking care of us. At the same time, I do believe there are times in our lives when we find that we're in the middle of the winter, so to speak, of, of something going on. And it tends to get a little heavy and it gets a little dark. And there's times like this when we gather together that the Lord wants to do something. I believe that with all of my heart. I know that over the last number of years, my wife and I have come to terms with the fact that I, I probably do very much without being um, sentimental about it. I do uh, um, suffer from um, atmospheric, whatever, the seasonal depression. There comes a time when the darkness inside of my soul gets to be so heavy, and sometimes it's just simply because it's cloudy outside. It's cloudy for so long that I get absolutely worn out from it. And I'm like, the Lord, I'm like, Lord, you got to do something about it. And then this particular year, we found our way down to uh, Florida. And I'm not complaining that that's one of the ways that the Lord does things like that for you and I. Um, but at the same time, I recognize that sometimes people are facing things that we're not absolutely aware of as we're going through life. They're facing um, things that are heavy. They're, they're facing marriages that are struggling. They're facing children that are struggling. They're facing careers that are struggling. They're, they're facing health issues, and it just gets a little bit heavy. For a long time, when things got heavy in my life, I began to ask God, I would say, why, Lord, why? What's going on? Why? This hurts. But I'll tell you what, and it's one of the reasons that I wanted to theme things out a little bit, and Pastor Tony, listening to the Holy Spirit with his team, has done an outstanding job, and I want to I continue in that, but at the same time, I want to recognize that being in the presence of God is one of those things where we need to recognize that God wants to do something in our lives. And I want to share some things with you, and then I want to open up that microphone right there, and I want to give you an opportunity to share back, not about what I'm saying. But if God is doing something in your life, if you're experiencing something, if there's something you need to let go of, if there's something you need prayer for, I want to encourage you to come up here and be bold enough to say, you know what? Ain't no grave. Ain't no grave. Ain't no grave going to stop me from letting go of whatever it is that's heavy on my heart and my soul this evening and leaving it right here. I share that because I, I want to recognize a couple of things. Songs are important. Music is important. It really is. When it comes to affecting your soul, music is important. It's why worship is so important to us here at the Vineyard. It's why we spend so much time on a Sunday morning in worship. Um, often, um, the songs are associated worth, with worship, but it's our offering to God. We're giving God our worship. So 14 and a half years ago, when the Vineyard um, contacted me and said, hey, would you plant a vineyard in Richmond, Kentucky? I said, if we can worship. And they said, well, that's a cool thing because we're about worship. And, and I became very, very aware that vineyard music has been in the making since the 70s, the late 70s, and all of that. But it's very powerful, and it's a, it's a powerful 
powerful medium for sharing um, um, experiences and words and emotions and things like that. There are songs, there are genres that are our favorites that usually will take us somewhere. And I don't know about you, but um, music, I usually tend to to linger in the the classics, um, what's referred to as the classics, because they take me back to simpler times. A lot of times they'll take us back to times in our lives when everything was peaceful, everything was good, a sunny day in a car, senior year of high school, going to the lake, something, you know, moral and good, but um, fun. And sometimes they're just like, God, we got to cry out. They'll take us to a place where we felt like we were winning. We were in the presence of God. But sometimes it's just like where it's heavy. And the psalmist in Psalm 77 um, wrote some words that uh, at various seasons in my personal life um, have become very (laughs) uh, important to me. Um, But I want to read that. I just want to read the first 12 verses. Psalm 77 says that this was written for the director of music. It was written for Jedithan by Asaph. Asaph wrote this, and it's a psalm. It's, that means it's a song. This is a songbook. You're, the psalms in your Bible are a songbook, and so that's where they are. Um, and this is what was going on in Asaph's life that he needed to write about. He said, I cried out to God for help, and I cried out to God to hear me. And when I was in in distress, I sought the Lord. And at night, I stretched out my untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. And I remembered you, God, and I groaned, and I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. And this is the thing that's particularly important to me. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated. I remembered my songs in the night. I believe very much that Asaph was writing this song um, and he wasn't talking about the fact that it was just dark outside. I think he was writing this song about the fact that it was dark inside. He was hurting. And sometimes we cry out to God and we're like, God, why don't you show up? God, why don't you come here? God, why don't you sit down with me? God, why don't you talk to me? God, why are you letting me go through this? Why, God, don't you deal with your children? I can't imagine what the three um, Hebrew boys thought about when they got thrown in the fiery furnace. I can't. Because none of us consider being thrown in the fiery furnace a career move that we want God to, to give to us. We want God to save us for stuff like that. And yet sometimes it might be that the the pain and the suffering is the message that God is trying to work in our soul, but it doesn't mean we understand it. And it can mean that it's a little hard, a little hard. So the psalmist says, I remember my songs in the night and my heart meditated, but my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? And then I thought, to this, to this, I will appeal. I will appeal to the years when the most hand stretched out his right hand, and I will remember the deeds of the Lord, and I will remember the miracles of long ago, and I will consider all of your works, and I will meditate on all your mighty deeds. I will remember the Lord saving me. I will remember the Lord protecting me as a little child in the dark when bad things were happening to me. I will remember the Lord saving a young man from his sin. When I was 17 at home, I was scared. And at school, I was more scared. 
I will remember God saving a young adult. I will remember being bullied as a, as a middle schooler myself and terrified. And I will remember that God has done amazing things in my life as an old man. And I hate saying that out loud. <laughs> my grandkids are here and I'm very aware that I have a daughter that's 39 years old. And so one of us is getting older faster and I don't think it's her. I don't think it's her. But I will remember what God did for me. Because in the night, a lot of times, we don't understand, we don't get it. This past, this past Christmas was a light for me. It wasn't a darkness, it was a light. It was a wonderful Christmas season with you as a church, reaching into the community, making beds, um, stepping into somebody's life that didn't know outside of church, but my wife and I just doing things like that. And so I happen to, to believe with all of my heart that, that in the midst of our darkness, God is inviting us to come to him because there ain't no grave can hold us down. Ain't no grave gonna stop us from rising up. Ain't no grave gonna tell us that we're not worth it, we're not worthy, we can't have it, we can't dream it, we can't do it, we can't. Because with Jesus Christ, the scripture says the gospel is yes. And I choose to believe. There were a number of times in my life that I felt the dark was dark. And I just want to take you on a little journey with you, um, or with me, take you on a journey with me. Yeah. Um, if you'll just bear with me. Um, some of you may know who Rich Mullins is. Um, Rich Mullins is a man um, that wrote a lot of really good music. And he got me through some desperate times with my. <laughs> God, why? Come on. Got me through some tough times when my father-in-law was dying. He was only 54 years old. I'm 64. I'm 10 years older than he was right now. And he was going to be my example and be proud of me. All the things. And the Lord took him and it was difficult. And it was hard to, to grieve him because at the same time we were having twins. And I thought I was going to lose my wife. And so... It was hard, it was dark, and Rich Mullins got me through that because I was in Bible college at that time. The Lord had said, go into ministry, and I had three kids and two on the way, and a father-in-law dying and going to Bible school full-time, and, and I couldn't work. Bible school required too much, and I don't know what happened, but I can tell you this. God paid my mortgage, God paid my electric, God paid my water, God paid my sewer, God paid my everything for two years, and I still cannot figure it out when I look back because ain't no grave gonna hold this person back my body down or keep me from doing what God has asked me to do so I'm gonna do this for you it's been a while since I've done this but I want to do this for you because I told the Lord I would do it um, but that was three months ago I kept putting it off <laughs> I told him we would have a pulse and I would do this and so I'm gonna do it for you My faith just feels so small So hold me, Jesus, Lord Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You have been king of my glory 
be my Prince of Peace Won't you be my Prince of Peace I wake up in the night and I feel the dark It's so hot inside my soul I swear there must be blisters on my heart so hold me, Jesus, Lord, cause I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? Won't you be my prince of peace? Sometimes my life just don't make sense at all Hold me Jesus It's so hot inside my soul I swear there must be blisters on my heart So please hold me Jesus Oh Surrender don't come natural to me I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want, Lord Than take what you give that I need And I beat my head against so many walls And I'm falling down, Lord, I'm falling on my And the Salvation Army bands play in this hymn And your grace rings out so deep, Lord It makes my resistance seem so thin So hold me, Jesus, Lord Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You have been king of my glory Won't you be? My Prince of Peace Won't you be my Prince of Peace Sometimes my life just don't make sense at all Please hold me, Jesus When the mountain looks so big, Lord, my faith just feels so small. Please hold me, Jesus, hold me. Those are the times. Those are the times when I don't understand what's going on and it hurts. And there were some of those this year. Christmas was coming out of a lot of stuff. I mean, if you don't think people are still people after they get saved, go into church leadership, okay? But we've been called to love people. We've been called to bless people. We've been called to, call, uh, to care for people and even people that, that hurt us sometimes. And that's very, very important. 
when we don't know what's going on, when Joe Wood doesn't know what's going on, and I'm saying, God, what's going on at church? God, what's going on in my kids' lives? God, what's going on in my, my family, my parents, my brother, whatever it might be? That's my go-to song. That's my song in the night. The psalmist said, I remember my song in the night. And I, I want to encourage you that you should have a song in the night. You should have a song that you go to. But not all darkness is a result of things that we're going through. Not all darkness is a result of things that have happened to us. To be honest with you, some darkness is a result of choices we've made. And I'm not here to throw rocks. I'm really not, not trying to sell the sermon series over again either. I'm just telling you. I'm not here to throw rocks. I'm here because I love you. I'm here because I trust your presence. I'm here because I feel safe with you. I'm here because Jesus loves us. And we can say the things that we need to say and not feel rejected or kicked out or ugly or set aside or not worth it. We can do that because that's what it means to come together as the body and to be able to confess our sins to one another and say, you know, God, I screwed up. But here's the danger. There was a son in a parable in a story that Jesus told in the scripture. And this son walked away from his dad, his home, his family and everything. Often it's referred to as the story of the prodigal son. But the crazy part is this guy was given a whole load of wealth and he ran off into the world because he thought the world was more fun. The Yellow Brook Road looked a whole lot more pleasing to him than staying home, walking with God, walking with his dad, being part of a family. And as a result of that, he went out and squandered his whole life and all he could do was stand up and stare, stand in front of a mirror and say, well, you did it to yourself. But you know what? I serve a God that when I do it to myself, he's waiting for me on the porch. He says, come home. The sad part is I watch so many people as a pastor that when they feel like they've screwed up their church, they're too embarrassed to come home. They're too ashamed to come back to church. They're too ashamed to kneel down before God. Listen to me. I got no business judging you. This church has no business judging you. We have no business continuing in sin, but we got no business to judge each other. It says so in the book of Romans, who am I to judge another man's servant? And we're all God's servants. We're here to help each other come home. We're here to show each other the path to repentance, to conviction, to clean the cleansing of our soul. We're here for that. And so for me, when I just don't know what's going on, I'm kind of like uh, um, Job. I try to hit all the bases. First, I tell the Lord, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't make sense to me. And it's scaring me. And I wish that he was here. And then, like Joe, I need to make a sacrifice on the outside chance that it's my sin that's doing that. You've got to cover all the bases. The Lord has lots of forgiveness. Lots of forgiveness. Think about this for a second. We're going to go into communion. Jesus died for all the sin, sins. If he doesn't come back for thousands of years, he died already for thousands of years more worth of sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful that the grave of the enemy couldn't hold it back and the grave of the enemy can't stop it from cleansing you every moment of every day 490 times a day if necessary. Seven times 70 times a day. The key is we need to go home. When we sin, and we know it, nobody has to tell us, we know. 
We go home to God. We don't run from Him. We go home. Forgive me, Lord. It's been a hard day, Lord. And I don't think I can go on anymore. I'm not proud of where I've been, Lord. And I'm ashamed to know you're aware of my sin. Oh, I've been away so long, and the weight of sin is so strong. But the night has been so long, I want to be with you. been away so long and the way to sin is so strong but the night has been so long I want to be with you I'm coming home Lord down this long and dirty road Lord well my head is heavy I'm afraid of what you'll say send again Lord it's coming round again Lord and it haunts me as it tries to keep me away oh but I've been away so long and the weight of sin is so strong but the night has been so long I want to be with you I've been away so long, Lord And the weight of sin is so strong But the night has been so long I want to be with you You're coming out to meet me from an empty grave, Lord I get choked up and the words they just won't come You put your arms around me You're not too proud to kiss me And still somehow you call me your son And I've been away so long and the weight of sin is so strong But the night has been so long I want to be with you Been away so long That the weight of sin is so strong The night has been so long I want to be with you The night has been so long, I want to be with you. The night has been so long, I want to be with you. Fathers, we come before you. We don't always understand. We don't always recognize and it doesn't always make sense. But Father, we ask you to be here with us this evening. We ask you to speak to our hearts because there ain't no grave. You have shown us that over and over and over again. You have forgiven us. 
You have saved us. You have blessed us. You have let your favor fall upon us. God, we have become a people that the community understands the presence of the Lord is there in their midst. And so as we come before you right now, God, I pray that you would loose our tongues and open our hearts. We want to thank you and we want to praise you for what it means to be in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The scripture tells us that we're to testify to the goodness of the Lord. And I'll tell you right now, when good things happen in my life, I'm scared to death not to. Because I don't want them to stop. I know that when God is doing something powerful and he's moving in my midst, that he's doing it because he wants me to testify to somebody somewhere, somehow, that needs to hear that the goodness of God is for you, not just for me. I also know that when I've sinned, I need to confess my sins. And the scripture will say that if we confess our sins to one another, that he's faithful and just and will forgive us. The Lord will forgive us. And we pray for one another, it says. And that's what we're to do. And I want to encourage you that that's what we're going to do. We run to God when we admit that we've let him down. We run to God when he's doing amazing things. And we run to God when we don't know what's going on. And right now, I want to encourage you that it's time to run to God. It's time for us to run to God. I didn't know how I exactly wanted to do this, but I can tell you that the presence of the Lord is in this room because those of you that work for me will testify that um, the only way that I would open up a microphone in front of people is just Jesus himself walked into my office and said he wanted me to do it. And I'm telling you, that's pretty much what I believe the case is. I believe. And I believe that the Lord wants to invite us together to testify to the goodness of God. And I want to give you a chance to do that. Michael, I'm going to stay up here. That microphone is turned on already. I want to encourage you to keep it near your mouth. But I wonder who would like to come and go first. Who would like to say, I want to testify to the goodness of God. I want to share what I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to say. Or I want to cry out for prayer. Any of those are good. Any of those are good. Take a deep breath. It's nothing to be scared of. We're here for the goodness of God. Who will be first? Come on, Livy. Is anybody surprised? We love you. Pull that thing right out of there. Okay. Hi. I'm Stephanie Lobby. Come here. This, this is the light. There you go. I'm Stephanie Lobby. And, um, yeah, don't be afraid. Don't worry about who the first one is to come. Just come. Just come. Um, Pastor Joe always says, where were you five years ago? And let me tell you that five years ago, my husband and I were broken with a son that we were begging to come home, begging to come home, to put down his addictions, to put down friends, to put down losses, to not beat himself up. And we watched him serve a year-long sentence in jail five years ago. And he is expecting his first baby tomorrow. Amen. He is since married, and I tell him daily 
God has healed you, but you have done the stepping. Because we are healed. We ask God to come in and we ask him, do this for me, do this for me. But then we just sit down. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to ask him to do this for me, walk with him. Every step of the way. I remember nights that he could go to sleep and I would stay up worrying. I would go to sleep and he would stay up worrying. But what we didn't do was ever give up. Because no matter what happened, no matter who lived or who died, I'm going to Jesus. And I will never, ever stop saying that. So whatever you're going through, whatever your addiction is, it doesn't have to be narcotics. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It doesn't have to be anything awful. It can be that you just spread rumors. It can be that you talk about other people. It can be that you're jealous. It can be that you just don't like somebody. Whatever that addiction is, he will heal you, but we have to go with him. We have to take the next step for that. But I just want to give thanks and glory. Because I'm going to be a grandma this week. Amen. Amen. Come on. Because the Lord is good. Because when we think things are done, the Lord's just getting started because there ain't no grave. Somebody else? You're right there. I don't have far to go. I'm going to keep this short. Uh, Some of you know me. Some of you don't. I'm Jessica Yeary. And a year ago at one of the smaller women's conferences, the, the one days, like what's coming up here in March, Steph Libby actually stood on the stage and she talked about what to do when the dark comes. She said, Doesn't, it's going to come. It, it is. That's just what you do when it comes. And I sat there and I made the grave mistake <laughs> of saying, you know, I don't really had any dark times. It's been okay. I mean, it's not been great, but it's been okay. Well, boy, I needed to hear Steph Libby that day <laughs> because... Ever since that day, my life has been turned completely upside down in ways I never could have imagined, never could have dreamed. And I didn't know why. I didn't know what I needed to learn. I didn't know why I needed to go through this. I didn't know if I was being punished. I didn't know what was going on in my life. And I tell you what, it's not over. Still fighting. But the things that I have learned about myself and about my family and about the people around me and the people that I have met and the people that have been brought into my life and the people that have left my life, God is good. Amen. And it might not come to you in the way that you think it's going to come to you. And please don't ever say, my life is great, (laughs) because I promise you, Sometimes the dark will come, and it's what you do. And I just beg you, find your people. Find the people that sit with you in the dark. Thank you, Steph Libby, for going first. And thank you for telling me what to do when the dark came. That's all I got. You better cut me off. Amen. Amen. Find your people. Find your song. Who else? had a vision of this like a month ago. And then like two weeks ago, it was reaffirmed. And I was like, <laughs> I'm out of that one because Pastor Joe doesn't do that. <laughs> he, d- he doesn't give people the microphone, so I'm, I'm good. So um, I have gotten 
what I feel like something I need to share, what I feel like something that you guys need to hear, um, but it comes from years of struggling, years of roller coasters. Um, many years ago, I uh, heard from Pastor Joe, and he said something to me that never quite sunk in, that never, I never quite got, like, wrote on my heart. Um, and I've struggled for years with understanding that I have a lot of baggage to unpack, and then um, there's also a lot of truth and health in my life that I need to just take a hold of. And about five years ago, I was approached by a couple of different groups in this church. One was a men's group about accountability and, and, and learning how to deal with trauma. One was, uh, hey, we're going to do a Bible study where we read through the Bible in one year. That was three years ago. Still working on it. And uh, it all started when my, my father-in-law ended up asking me, hey, have you read through the entire Bible, start to front? And I, I've read it in pieces. I feel like I know it really well, but I hadn't read word for word, start to finish. And the process of going through that has started to open up my eyes to the realization that there's truth in it about me that I never understood. And it all started to conglomerate. It all started to come together through these men's groups, through the teachings that I was hearing from here on Sunday mornings, through all of it. And um, I was given a list from a group that I'm in about all the things that God says about you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know those things. And I started to actually read through the scripture on those things. And I was instructed to find my prophetic promises, find the things that God says about me. Where do I fit into the scripture? Where do I fit into God's kingdom? Where, do, where is my identity? Is it in all the roller coaster of things that I was going through, or is it in what the Bible says about me? And the things that I came away from it with, my prophetic promises, Bruce helped me to find some of them. He doesn't know it, but he did. I am a new creation. I am enough. I am a mighty warrior. I am alive in sin. I am alive in Christ even while dead in sin. Excuse me. I am saved by grace. And God, my Father, wants to spend time with me. Amen. So the instruction that I have to share is remember who you are and remember whose you are. Amen. Good work. Good work. Hi. <laughs> um, I don't know who this is for. It could be for all of us. I think it's for all of us as a church. I think it's for a lot of people personally. But while we were singing the first song, I felt like I heard the Lord say, today starts healing. Amen. Today starts healing. Today starts new. Today you can begin new. You can forget everything that happened before. You can forget everything that you've done, everything you've said, everything that's happened to you. Gone. If you want it, healing starts today, and today begins new. That's all I got. Amen. It's a good word. Yeah. Thank you. Um, my name's Nate, uh, we, and my wife's here, and my parents are here, and uh, I, uh, I love being in this church, and thank you, Pastor Joe and Janice, and just for inviting us in and loving us so well. And, um, sometimes 
they never they never asked for this, but I we got to give honor where honors due, and that's biblical. And uh, we need to pray for the people <laughs> that are plowing the field. And so thank you all for loving us so well and pouring out. Um, I just felt like the Lord said this, and I'll try to be quick. Um, I've been in the season of my life where I've kind of felt like I'm just existing. And that's not a way to be living. Uh, and I want to just read this to you. And if you're there, um, this is just God's reminder to us, I think. This is out of Second uh, Peter. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So my dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that encourages you. It does for me. That's way more than existing. That is living in the promises of God, which are yes and amen for you and for me. Amen. I'm not going to give you the microphone until Angie comes then. <laughs> I did not want to do this. Hello. Um, I did not want to do this. Um, I came here back in 2018 in the darkest time I've ever had. And I don't know if you remember that first Sunday. He got up here after worship before service and said, someone here was so angry and doesn't think this is going to help. And it was me on the back row going, it's not going to help. I don't want to be here. Life sucks. My dad had just died. I was getting ready to quit my job without another one lined up. I couldn't get pregnant, partially as a result of an assault that had happened. And I didn't feel like God cared. And my husband drug me up that aisle. <laughs> And at least three people prayed over me. And he made me keep coming back here. And on days that I didn't want to be alive anymore, I just kept telling myself, 
even the darkest night will end Mm -hmm. and the sun will rise. And next month I'm adopting two little babies. Amen. Come on. Many are the children of. Rachel, many are the children. And I sat in that seat until I was sweating. And I heard Angie and Jack, and I don't even know if he's here tonight, saying, I'm going to whoop you if you don't get up there. (laughs) So even the darkest night will end, and the sun will rise. Amen. Good job. Good word. Good word. You don't think being involved in a community of faith and surrounding yourself with friends that love Jesus and will drag you kicking and screaming to Jesus, then you need to listen to her again. Yep. That's what it's about, tearing the roof off the house and lowering your friend down into the presence of Christ. Somebody else. I was iffy until Nate said something, but um, in real short, um, approximately, if I can do my math right, 16, 17 years ago, I received a calling in my life. I knew, I knew at that point I was going to go into ministry. Fast forward a few years, I didn't go into ministry. Fast forward a few more years, um, I thought I'd kind of thrown my life away um, and through a series of choices and events. And then um, it's a whole long story. I'd tell you at some time, uh, but I have two minutes. But God said, no, 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 I still you want you to do three. that. Two minutes. Three. Go for th- I can have three? Wow. So is that staff bonus? Staff, yes, yeah. come on. Okay. Um, I'm wasting it all with you going back and forth. <laughs> um, five years ago, um, I was just kind of existing in a job. Um, it wasn't the thing I thought I was going to do. I was miserable. I was um, crying every Sunday night because I knew I had to go into work on Monday morning. Um, it wasn't what I was meant to do. And long story short, um, through a phone call and through a, a connection that I had, um, God radically just made a right-hand turn in my life. Um, but what I, wanted to sh- what I want to share, and, and the fact that Nate shared from Second Peter was like, okay, I guess I have to do this now. Because um, what came to mind for me was in Second Peter chapter 3, and just understand Peter's writing to a group of people who were dispersed, who were being persecuted time and time again, who were wondering when God was going to ever come through for them. Um, And he says this, if I can find it, because portrait mode. Um, Okay, he says this. Do not overlook this fact, beloved. This is in uh, chapter 3, verse 8. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. But is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And he goes on to say more things. But because I feel like I could go way too long, I just want to say this. God has not forgotten you. He simply has not forgotten you. And whatever you feel like you're floundering in, you're wasting your time, you're just existing, he has not forgotten. Even though it might feel like he has, he has not. Amen. The good word. Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. And he wasn't wasting his time because he was in the school of God. And sometimes when you're desperate, that's really where you are. You're in the school of God. Somebody else. I just want to say, if you don't find a community like the VSM has, 
with Camden. Thank you, Camden. Uh, you won't. You won't really get through um, many pla places that I have, because Camden Brady have helped me through so many things that I can't. It's just unbelievable. It's Andrew, Jeff, Jay, all of them. It's just amazing that they can that they can do this out of nowhere when I thought, oh, it's, it's over. There's no reason to be here. Drew, Jay, and Jeff, and Brady have helped me through everything, including Camden, which just got here. Amen. So I just want to say, get a Get a community like VSM has, and everything will be great. Amen. Thank you, Connor. Good job, buddy. Good job, buddy. Okay, so I'm Maggie. Hi, this is Oliver. Um, so when Joe was saying, like, you have a song in the night, I was like, I don't have a song in the night. That's fine. And then I look over at Caroline, and I'm like, oh, you know, she has a song. It's tattooed on her arm. And I look down at Oliver, and I was like, oh, I do have a song in the night. Because when I was pregnant with Oliver, he was a rainbow baby, is a rainbow baby. And so that pregnancy was fraught with, you know, some fear, you know, natural hesitancies and things. And that was when reckless love was really popular. Not that it's not now, but when we went into labor with him, um, we had some issues, some decelerations and just heart rate issues. Every time I would flip on my right side, a flurry of nurses would come in, flip me on my left side, shove some oxygen on my face. And it was really scary. Um, even being a medical person, it's really scary. But I would have Michael play Reckless Love pretty much on repeat, holding my hand with an oxygen mask on, just bawling my eyes out, singing the song about him lighting up the shadows and caring about us just with this reckless love. And I just wanted him to be okay. I just wanted Oliver to be okay. And then the children's ministry that we have here is just so wonderful. And we are so thankful to be raising our children in a place that pushes our children toward Jesus. Because the last big church Sunday that we had, Oliver was standing next to me singing reckless love just at the top of his little lungs. <laughs> and just knowing that he's in a place where people love Jesus is just the greatest blessing a parent could have. Amen. Yeah. Just looking behind me, just checking, just checking, just checking. I'm not going to drag you up here. I do want to give you opportunity because I do believe in what's happening here right now. I do believe it's of the Lord. I do believe that we're called to encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Very definitely. Got to stand up here in the light. Kind of caught that. There you go. <laughs> I just like to thank the Lord for a place like this, a church. For my daughter comes here, and uh, 
I'd like to encourage you too. I'd like for everybody to know that the Lord Jesus himself is praying for each and every one of us that we just come to him and yoke up with him. And uh, I'd like to encourage us, the young people here, whenever you get ready to step out for the Lord, hey, the Lord's got you. But I want you to know, the Lord told Peter, his number one guy, the devil, he's going to sift you like wheat. And you know, uh, I'm just a guy that goes to church. I'm nothing special. But back home a couple years ago when COVID hit, uh, uh, I'd got out on the porch and I'd started preaching. And, I, and it wasn't because I was a real holy guy, by the way. It was because the Lord was really dealing with me. And I really thought that the church's doors had shut. I thought was had come to the end times for real. I said, Lord, I'm not doing my best. And that was the devil sifting me like wheat. But you got to remember what I said. Jesus is praying for us. And I went out on my porch and my mom and dad, and I think we had like three carloads that would pull up because of the COVID restrictions or whatnot. I thought, well, maybe all these people would want to come and just read the Bible and have church. Had about four cars every week for a couple, three months. And then the Lord spoke to me, and it was the Lord. He said, have a revival. And I'm like, all right, I'll have a revival. You know, I'll just put my Bible up on a flyer stand and take my little microphone and stuff and sing and read like I always have. Well, you know, if you're really close to the Lord, it's never that simple. <laughs> then he said, rent a tent. A we need a tent. <laughs> we need a tent, all right? And this is during COVID, so all the tents were all rented up. And when I finally found one, it was outrageously priced. And, uh, and uh, I just so happened had that much money. And that was it. And my wife knew that was it. She's sensible. She's like, what are you thinking? You can't do this. And then later on, after I rented the tent, my dad's, me and my dad worked together bush hogging. I'll never forget this. And, and my dad said to me, son, and he said it nice, how many people do you think's coming to this thing? Because this tent will hold like 300 people. And we were only having six, eight people come out. And I just told my dad, and I was kind of, I was being a little bit sarcastic. And I said, Dad, you know, uh, we've had three or four carloads every week, you know. And uh, I said, but whenever I have this thing, you remember that party I had in 1999? <laughs> there was people, there was people lined up from one end of that hall to the other. I said, God told me there's going to be more people than this. And let me tell you what, by the time that revival rolled around, Man, there was tents, outside tents. That place was packed. Uh, uh, professional photographers come, which had, took pictures, never charged me a penny. And trust me, the devil sifted me just like the wheat. He told me, you were no good. There was people come to me, said, are you going to be preaching there? Because if not, they're not coming, by the way. And I'll never forget what I told them. I'm like, I hadn't even thought that far through to it. And this was just weeks before it was going to happen. And I said, well, the Lord has sent people. And, buddy, he sent people to preach. I didn't have to preach a word. Thank God. But I, I want you to know that the devil is a liar. I want you to know that mm. Jesus says that he don't accuse anybody. Amen. Jesus don't accuse anybody. What he knows, he knows for a fact. 
And like he said earlier, we know, we know because Jesus lets us know. But the devil, he'll even accuse Moses. I mean, this guy was probably the one of the greatest men God ever used. But if you read about Moses, he had a lot of problems and a lot of faults that he was afraid of too. So whenever you step out and start to do something for the Lord, and that this is one of the scriptures I thought about, uh, who builds something and, and they don't go and count the cost, you know, and, and I kept thinking, man, I have a hard time just making it to church sometimes. I, I have a hard time dealing with the footman. What am I going to do when Satan sends his horsemen after me? What, what am I going to do? How can I afford this? I'm not going to have any more money left because my job's over at the end of a certain season. And, and uh, man, all these things flooded my mind. But then as I started studying and thinking on them, Man, what would it have cost me if I hadn't? Because I can't afford it. I can't afford it if I was a multi-billionaire. The blood of Jesus has bought us with a price that's way more than money and gold. My daughter got saved there. My son-in-law, Timmy, he's playing back here. He led them to the altar that Wednesday night. I'll never forget it. He was the first man up there, and it was filled with people. And it was filled with people that didn't attend church, by the way. It was filled with people that... We're seeking the Lord. I just want to encourage somebody today. Don't be afraid to step out for the Lord because when stuff starts coming against you, He's still got you. Amen. He's still got you. And don't, don't be surprised when Satan starts sifting you like wheat. But remember, Jesus told Peter, I'm praying for you Amen. that you don't fail. Amen. Hey, we got the victory. It's a good word. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yep. In the end, the, Lord, the Lord's already seen where we're going. We can trust Him. That's a good word. All right. We good? It'll probably be another decade before <laughs> I have enough guts to plug another microphone in. But just letting you know, I want to invite you to come to your feet. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to go back into worship just a little bit before we hit communion. Fathers, we come before you. We want to thank you and praise you for the blessing of what it is that you're doing in our midst this evening. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you for the joy. We thank you for the community and what it means to be here together. We thank you for standing next to each other in dark times. We thank you for singing next to each other in dark times. We thank you for lifting each other up in dark times. We thank you for what it means to be the body of Christ. We're not here to kick anybody to the curb, Lord. We're here to raise up the man that's fallen down. We're here to raise up the young lady that's struggling. We're here to be encouragement to those. And we thank you and praise you for that. Hear our praise, Lord, as a sacrifice to you tonight. In Jesus' name.